Hey friends, welcome back to the No Wrong Turns podcast. Thanks for joining us. I am your host, Audrey Lee Hickman Hunter. The No Wrong Turns podcast talks to people about their story and their passions. It aims to see how their passions have evolved and grown throughout their story. Hey friends, I wanted to take the next few moments to chat about what is happening around our country right now. As I was thinking about what to say or how to say something, the first thing that I wanted to say was that I believe that you, me, and everyone um, on the earth was created in the image of God. And for me, this truth comes from Genesis 1, 26 to 27, where it says that God said, let us make man in our own image, according to our likeness. They will rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, the livestock, the whole earth, the creatures that crawl on the earth. So God created man in his own image. He created him in the image of God. He created them male and female. I know that God made us all. He made everyone in his image, in God's image. And there's not one person that's listening, not one person on this earth that is excluded from this truth, no matter your race, your gender, your ethnicity, your anything. So I wanted to just take this moment on my podcast to say that, yes, black lives do matter. In my processing and reflecting that I've been doing, um, I've been viewing, listening, and reading from many different resources um, in a posture of a learner and a listener. And I think that for me, one area I've been working through is the idea of what is my part in all of this? One area specifically that I'm praying through and working through is myself and my own bias and my own um, sense of omission, omission meaning words that I let go unspoken and actions that I did not take. And then bringing these things to God in the form of repentance. And for me, this comes through as this reflection is happening through just a prayer of repentance to God. When I began thinking about what I wanted to say to you all, I was a little unsure about how I'd be able to form the right words or the correct phrasing to share. Before, Right before I sat down and put together this podcast, I listened to an Instagram live by at oh happy Danny. In this Insta Live, uh, Danielle put my thoughts together perfectly when she said these two different statements. She said, perfection is not a prerequisite for participation. Perfection is not a prerequisite for participation. And then she also said, awareness is helpful, but action is transformational. Awareness is helpful, but action is transformational. So I don't need to have all the right answers and be perfect to be part of their participation part. And simply being aware of what's going on is not enough either. Actions and steps forward are what's needed to transform our country's systemic system that has been oppressing black men, women, girls, and boys that have also been made in the image of God and in his likeness. There are so many resources that are available, and I wanted to share with you two now, and as I find them or come up or as they uh, resonate and help me, I will be sure to share them on our Instagram and Facebook pages as well. One of the one of them I referenced earlier about the Insta Live I listened to 
is actually a three-part series going live June 1st to 3rd at 6 p.m. Central Central Time. Um, that, so you can listen to this um, as, on the live or as at Oh Happy Danny post them. I have already made plans with two friends who watched the first one uh, with me as well, that after we watch all three of the parts, we're going to um, follow us up with a conversation to share and to unpack and just process with each other. Um, another account handle that I wanted to highlight was uh, at the Conscious Kid. This is a great res- resource that shares and posts through a cr- critical race lens. I just wanted to uh just uh implore and encourage you all listening to be first uh you know in a posture of a listener and a learner and not to stop there um to go forward and to participate to use your voice and your platform to condemn and call out racism where you see it Hey listeners, welcome to our 15th episode. Today in the podcast, we have my dear friend Robin Hubbard with us on the pod. I honestly didn't have a clue when I first met her. And I'm thinking that we became friends or at least knew each other around the winter of 2014 because good old Facebook um, told me that's when we, we became Facebook friends. So since that time, going forward, I got to know Robin through some mutual friends and many, many church events, brunches, and girls' weekends. Today on the episode, Robin will share her story about growing up in the same house all her growing up life, loving all things St. Louis. Yes, this does include Emo's Provel Cheese Pizza and the Cardinals baseball team. Robin shares with us um, how God helped her to shape and change her, to change her college major, as well as her answering God's call in her life to become a pastor. And I would definitely be remiss if I did not give Robin's and Josh's precious baby daughter, Anna Grace, aka otherwise known as Princess Mash, a shout out here to tell her that Tia Audrey loves you. So Robin, make sure to replay that for her so she can hear it in her little ears. You are for sure going to want to lean in and not miss hearing about how Robin discovered her passions of social work and pastoring. No matter if this is your story and you can relate to her or not, I believe that there is something in this episode for you. All right, here's my conversation with Robin. Welcome to the No Wrong Turns podcast. Today on the podcast, we have royalty here, actually. My fellow princess, this is Robin. Hey. She is the princess of what kingdom now? Um, of Avon in slash Indianapolis. Avon slash Indianapolis. And for you listeners who are probably thinking, what the what in the world is going on? Some of my friends and I, I don't know how this started, but we just became royalty and whatever neighborhood or city that we move to or live in we call ourselves the princesses of there so um, you guys can all oh go on I think it started because you guys came to visit me at my first appointment in Royal Oak and so it was a royal weekend royal yeah so then we started the princesses okay 
That makes sense. Mm -hmm. I'm glad you reminded me of that. (laughs) But I just want to encourage all you listeners that you can claim your own royal kingdom as well. So in case you're all wondering, I'm sure you are. I am the princess of Little Italy because that's the neighborhood (laughs) I live in. So awesome. Well, today on the podcast, we have royalty and Robin, royal Robin, I guess. (laughs) And Robin is a fellow leopard lover, loves a leopard print, loves a leopard animal like myself. And Robin, can you introduce yourself beyond the leopard? (laughs) Yeah. So my name is Robin Hubbard. I currently live in the Indianapolis area in Indiana. My husband and I are officers, which basically means we're pastors and administrators um, and a bunch of other stuff (laughs) coped into that title with the Salvation Army. And so we are currently stationed at the Salvation Army Eagle Creek Court in Indianapolis. And I am a mom to an almost six-month-year-old daughter, Anna Grace who is also a fellow leopard lover. Yes, she is. Yes, she is. And so that's great. My husband said I'm only allowed 25% of the closet to be leopard print, but it's probably up to like 75. So, (laughs) (laughs) but yeah. So do you have any fun facts you can share with us? Uh, Yeah, I was thinking about this. I typically don't think of myself as someone who has like fun facts, but one thing is I love traveling. And so that's something I'm, Super passionate about if you were to come to our house, you see like maps everywhere. So I love traveling. I don't get to do it as much as I want, but I love going to explore new places in the U.S. and outside of the U.S. And I'm also a really huge brunch lover. Mm-hmm. So, so much that my wedding, my husband and I's wedding took place around brunch time just so we could have brunch food. <laughs> <laughs> and donuts at our wedding and so I love brunch so I love going to a new city and finding a good place for brunch in the morning that's probably one of my favorite things to do so it's a combo of both of your passions there for traveling yes. and brunching so I right. want to back up to, oh what'd you say I said and food like who doesn't oh, want good food totally <laughs> I want to back up to what you said about travel do you have a favorite place that you have been to or a favorite place that's on your bucket list that you could share with us? Yeah, I say there's a couple favorite places. I've done a couple mission trips in the Salvation Army, and I'd say one place that really captured my heart, I went to Zimbabwe, which is in the southern part of Africa. And so I love that place because it's really the first place I really kind of just traveled and the Lord spoke to me. So because of that, my heart, I will always have a special place for that in my heart. And I may have a tattoo of that on my arm <laughs> of Africa. And But I would say another favorite place is for my honeymoon. My husband and I went to Paris. And so I really loved seeing all the different architects and the different buildings in Paris. So that, I just, I love that. Because that was the first time I got to travel with my husband as we were just like two days married. But that was just the first time I got, we got to do it together. So I think that place will always have a special place. And I would say somewhere I'm excited to travel to is, so <laughs> I'm excited and I'm a little nervous for this, but then Anna and I are planning a trip to go to Machu Picchu. 
Ooh. And uh, so that's very exciting. I've never been to Latin America. And, but you haven't? No, never. Oh, but it makes me really nervous because it's a lot of hiking. But I'm very excited to explore what that is, like what it looks like down in Machu Picchu and everything like that. So I just think that will be a fun, adventurous trip. Totally. Um, and very hard because of all the hiking. But so I'm actually very excited about that one. So. Awesome. When are you going? In 2021. So it's, I have a little bit to prepare for. <laughs> Robin, can you tell us a little bit about where you're from and how you grew up? Yeah. So I am from St. Louis, Missouri. We live about 45 minutes west of St. Louis. And I grew up in the same house. So my parents actually moved to the house in March and I was born in July. So I've only ever grown up in one place. And I would say that I'm a St. Louis girl through and through. I love Emo's pizza. I love raviolis. (laughs) I love the St. Louis Cardinals. And mm, interesting. Right. <laughs> I love all the things St. Louis. But I grew up with I have an older brother and parents are together and so we kinda grew up doing that of going on family vacations and my grandparents didn't live that far from us and so we would always see them and we would see my aunt and uncles and so it was very family oriented growing up. When I wasn't at home or I wasn't at dance class, I was at Salvation Army Corps, which was right by my house. I spent a lot of my time there growing up as well. And if I wasn't either of those places, I was at school, which I loved school. And I wanted to do everything that I could and be involved at school. And so, yeah. Awesome. When you were in either elementary, middle, or high school, were you in any after-school activities or clubs or that kind of thing? Yeah. I... I feel like I was in every club in high school I could. So really in high school, I was in National Honor Society. I was in student council, which I loved because we got the plan homecoming dances. So I, I really loved that. One of the things that took up most of my time after school is I was on the dance team. So I was on there all four years. So I did that. And then in the springtime, I managed the boys baseball team. that's funny very fun so when you were in high school what were you thinking about your next steps or what you were going to do when you grew up did you know you were going to go to college or did you think you were gonna just start working right away what were you thinking yeah I knew that I wanted to go to college so I've actually when I'll back up a little bit before that to kind of get to here. But when I was 10, I was at a Savi Charmy music camp. And I just remember someone came to speak about doing mission work in Haiti. And I remember I came home and I told my mom that I was going to do that for the rest of my life. I was going to go around the world and tell people about Jesus. And I kind of already knew that's where the Lord was going to lead me. And then when I was 14, I went again to a Salvation Army camp where I felt the Lord telling me that the way he wanted me to do that was through officership, which I wasn't totally sold out on. So I knew kind of that's where the Lord had called me, but I wanted to be a teacher. And so I knew right after high school, I wanted to go to college. And so I actually picked my college based on who had the best education program. 
So the college I went to was known for their education program. So I went in knowing that one day I would be an officer in the Salvation Army. I didn't know exactly when that would be, but I wanted to have a degree as well. And then my sophomore year of college, right before it started, about four days, um, I couldn't get into a class that I really needed for education to continue on the right path. And at that time, the Lord started stirring in me a passion for anti-human trafficking. And so I looked up internships within that area. And I saw you ought to have a degree in social work. So four days before my sophomore year of college, I quit my major of early childhood education and I transferred to social work all within wow. four days of beginning. And so I graduated college with a bachelor's degree in social work and I've never looked back. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. So you thought you were going to start out in education and like many college students, you changed your major, but Mm -hmm. only one time. (laughs) Yeah. Sometimes I hear of people that are changing their major, like maybe three, four, five, six, seven times, which is crazy. But I mean, it's good to find something that you actually enjoy doing. Just might be in school a little longer. Right. (laughs) So can you tell us a little bit more about what started your interest in learning more about anti-human trafficking? Yeah, I think growing up, the Lord had always instilled in me this heart for the marginalized and people who have been oppressed. So I, this will kind of lead into that. My Enneagram number is a two, means I'm a helper. But within that, I have a very, very high empathy rate. So when I see uh, people being marginalized or oppressed, I feel for them. And usually that pulls me to do something. And so one of the things I'm really passionate about is about women and women's rights. I like to call myself a, I read the book, Jesus Feminist. And the lady in there, she states that she is a, She's a feminist because of the way Jesus treated women. And I believe that's true about me. And so I couldn't ever imagine being at the point of having to be sold into either slavery for sex and people just being okay with that or for labor because their family couldn't provide for that. And just realizing these women don't, women and men, (laughs) children don't have basic human rights that everyone deserves and that people looked at them and thought that they were less, that they were devalued. And I think I wanted to help because I wanted to be able to restore that you have value, that you have worth, not only as a human, but because the Lord created you. And I just, I can't imagine being told that you're not worth anything. You have that all your worth is a dollar. And so yeah, so I think that's how, like, the Lord just, like, worked on my heart in that and, like, just had a, created a passion in me for it. So you graduated with your degree in social work, bachelor's mm-hmm. in social work. Yeah. And then what was your next thing? What were you thinking as you were about to graduate from college? <laughs> Maybe take us back to that last semester and kind of just walk us through what you were thinking about what your next steps were going to be. Were you going to move home? Are you going to go on to more schooling? Because I know for social work, a lot of people get their 
masters for one reason or another or did you have a job lined up what happened next for you yeah so I my last semester of college I actually applied and got accepted in to the Salvation Army Training College which is basically like their seminary school so it's like a two-year intensive program in Chicago and so and it's training to become an officer in the Salvation Army so I thought I was gonna wanted to go get my master's and so within that I made up an ex I had this whole line of excuses <laughs> basically of why I couldn't go into training when I was done with college and then I met with a mentor and she asked me grab it you know this is what you're called to so when are you going to and I is really the Lord trying to work on my heart of me trying to follow my own plan and do my own plan and go when I believed I was ready, setting, letting the Lord lead me in that. And so eventually he worked in my heart and every excuse was checked off <laughs> that it wasn't valid. And so I applied and I got in. So knowing when I graduated college in May and August, I would enter into the Salvation Army Training College in Chicago. So I would begin that two years to become an officer within the Salvation Army. So it was a very different career path than the rest of people in my class. So was, Just a little bit, probably. Yeah. Most of them were going off to get their master's. And I was going to basically seminary. So Awesome. So can you walk us through what life was like for your next two years then and any highlights that happened? Yeah, I'd say in those two years, the Lord did a lot of work in me and I think it revealed a lot about myself and there were just some things that happened that because of circumstances, it was really the first time on my own and really in that environment, a lot of my insecurities came out in ways that I didn't know could happen. And so my first year was really, really tough for me. And I think before that, I was in a phase where I had never been truly discipled, especially as a teen. And so I had a lot. So of wait, let me pause you right yes. there. So when you say discipled, because I know a lot of people use that word and yes. maybe mean different things. Can you define exactly what you're meaning? Yes. So I'd say I didn't have anyone that was intentionally helping me with my walk with the Lord and helping me through different struggles or questioning of things. So I kind of tried, tried to just figure it out on my own, which means I pushed a lot of things aside. And so during that first year, a lot of things as I'm working and learning how to become an officer and different things, a lot of those things started to come out. And during that time, I developed anxiety and depression within that. And I think it was something that was always there, but it came basically full force during those years. And so really that first year, I learned how to kind of work through that. And what does this look like? And with that, I started seeing a counselor, which I believe is the Lord's blessing. And there was just a lot of people that came alongside to help mentor me in that time. I had a good friend who I was her intern basically for the summer. So I spent my summer with her learning how to become an officer who really just spoke life into me. 
And I don't think that I would be the person that I am today without her. And she allowed for me to believe myself not only as a leader, which sometimes is hard in ministry and as women pastors, like there's sometimes there's a stigmatism with that. And so she allowed to just like speak life into me and to give me the ability to believe in myself and in what the Lord had called me into. And at the end of that first year, I started dating my husband. So then we did about two years long distance. Within like I finished up my second year and and then he went in while I got transferred to Michigan. So so yeah, yeah, it was kind of funny because you guys basically swapped places. Yeah, we so. moved 45 minutes from where he lived. I moved to, so we swapped exact places. <laughs> so what would you say? would be you talked about your passion for anti-human trafficking Mm -hmm. and about being a pastor what would you say would you say those are your main passions or do you have something else that I missed in there or didn't ask about yet yeah I'd say those are probably two of my main ones I'm also very passionate about discipling young people so that intentional walking through the relationship with the Lord with them and helping them through the struggles of life. And I think I'm super passionate about that because I didn't have that. Like there's a lot that I think if someone just took the time to disciple me and to be intentional with me, that could have helped me in my growth. And I know like kids struggle a lot today. And so that's something I'm super passionate about because I think often that's why young people leave the church is because no one was intentional with them mm-hmm. and helping them understand their walk with the Lord and answering those tough questions that they have and showing them the way. I think that's that's what Jesus did is he showed people the way. And I would also say another huge passion of mine is advocacy for mental health. And that gets real. And I think because I struggle with it, and I don't even want to say I struggle with it. It's just, it's a part of me. It's mm-hmm. something that's there. And I'm not ashamed of it at all. I think it's just like any other disease or illness that someone has medically. It's the same thing. It's just mentally. And so I think breaking the stigmatism of that as well, especially in people who have leadership in ministries. Mm-hmm that it's okay to not be okay at times but it's not okay to always stay there because like we have a hope but it's okay to not be okay if that makes sense yeah and it's okay to admit that you're not okay right but But, at the same time you're going to be working towards getting out of that spot but first you have to admit that to yourself before you can say it out loud Right. You know, and I think depression, anxiety is something that I will always struggle with, but there's precautions I can help within that of knowing my signs and my symptoms, but also knowing in those moments I'm not alone. And in those moments, the enemy tries to tell me that I am and that I'm making it up or that no one really cares. But knowing that there's a hope that in those valleys that the Lord is still there with me, he's still guiding me, he's still there, and that there's light in those moments. That's awesome. So would you say that maybe your main passion overall that a lot of these fall under is um, your passion to uh, be a pastor? Yeah. Can you share as a new pastor, how long have you been a pastor? 
This is my third year in total, but my first year with my husband, if that makes sense. Yeah, <laughs> I got you. Do you have a favorite memory in these past years, uh, past three years of being a pastor that you're just like, wow, I'm really excited that this has been put in my heart and is a big passion of mine. Do you have any favorite memories related to this or that you can share with us? Yeah. So I would say one last year is that I was stationed on staff at the training college. And one of my specific roles there was to be intentional and build relationship with the teens. So during that time, I would host teen Bible studies. And at first, I think the girls were a little unsure. (laughs) I mean, they're teenage girls. (laughs) But they were always constant. They came. And as that relationship started to be built, they started coming with tough questions. And so they would say, hey, can we actually talk about this tonight? Or why does God allow, you know, for this thing to happen? Or can you explain the Trinity to me? Just like those questions of faith. And for me, that was like, this is why I do. It was a good moment of they're coming and they're searching for you. They're searching Mm -hmm. to know more about the Lord. And I get to be a part of that. And besides that, they would share with me their details of their life and would want to tell me what was going on in school instead of it being forced out like it was in the beginning. (laughs) But now they were inviting and they're like, hey, I have this game or I have this. And just seeing that they loved that someone cared about them and was investing in them, which I think just showed a little bit about the Lord. Like people do care for you and you are important and you are valued. And being able to walk through some of those hard moments with those girls of life of not understanding anything and being able to share kind of what I've gone through in life really kind of just combined everything that I loved. And it was a moment where the Lord just reminded me, this is why we do what we do. This is why I do what I do. That's awesome. So it sounds like the main things that you really enjoyed were building relationships and through that building trust and community in and with that group of girls. Yeah. Olive Branch Coaching and Consulting, which is run by Michelle Bernard, is this week's sponsor. Thanks so much, Michelle. Are you looking for a qualified coach, group facilitator, or speaker? At Olive Branch, Michelle comes alongside her clients as they see new opportunities, progress towards their goals, grow in personal development, and experience hope. This is accomplished through individual and group coaching, speaking events, and group facilitating. Olive Branch Coaching and Consulting is currently based out of Minneapolis, Minnesota. Coaching sessions are done over video calls or in person. Speaking events and group facilitating can be easily arranged for out-of-town events as well. You can follow um, Michelle and Olive Branch Coaching and Consulting over on Olive Branch Coaching and Consulting um, Instagram, which is uh, O-L-I-V-E-B-R-A-N-C-H-C-A-N-D-C. And you can also check out her website at www.olivebranchcnc.com. Once again, that's www.olive.com. B-R-A-N-C-H-C 
A-N-D-C.com. Michelle is offering a special a special discount for all of the listeners um, here at the No Wrong Turns pod. You can email her at michelle at olivebranchcnc.com with a subject line, No Wrong Turns pod listener for a 10% off five session coaching package for one individual. And this offer is valid for the next six months. So through December 1st, 2020. And similar to us over here at the No Wrong Turns pod, um, Michelle loves to hear people's stories and their passions and then help and loves helping them bring forth um, actions to their dreams. And she looks forward to connecting with you. All right, back to Robin's story. All right, I want to pivot a little bit right now and ask you what are some of the common myths that surround your passion and if you have some with your other passions that you want to share or if you just want to stick to common myths that surround being a pastor. Yeah, I don't Um, know if I would say like it's a myth, but I would say a challenge would be being a woman pastor at times. Mm Mm-hmm. And maybe the myth is that, so usually when it comes to preaching, my husband and I split it pretty evenly, but most of the time everyone defaults to him as a main. And so sometimes they just assume, oh, Josh knows everything more or that he's going to do all of this. And I think we see that when it comes to our daughter or some things that I'm just better and more experienced at, like that's my forte. And so we both enjoy preaching or those things. So I guess in our role, that could be like, I wouldn't say it's necessarily a myth, but it's a challenge for us. Mm-hmm. It's just this idea of women in the pulpit. And, you know, and I've had people make comments of when I was engaged, my husband, oh, you're like, well, you won't be a real, you're not a real officer yet until your husband's one. Oh right? my goodness. And I think like just those things or when we got to like this appointment, like I preached the first two Sundays and someone asked, is your husband ever going to preach? I said, well, yeah, <laughs> but, like I was just more comfortable. So I offered to do it first because I've already moved twice. And so I kind of knew the routine. But I think just those things that, you know, that had people walk out on me because I'm a woman. So it's maybe the myth is, is that the Lord can't speak through women or that only a man can bring the word of God. But, you know, I believe that the Lord speaks through everyone, man, woman, or child. I think he speaks. I think we're not always listening because the God I know is not a God that's defined by gender. I think he speaks to people who are faithful and are listening to him. I think that's really good. I think especially this has been such an interesting time to grow up and to mm-hmm. grow up around church culture and just seeing how I think maybe you would agree with me when we were growing up, it wasn't very common for your role that you have now to be existing or to be as, I don't know, equal or kind of, how would you describe that kind of same task yeah. just splitting it on the week or whatever yeah so I think that's really good and I think that's definitely harder I think probably harder for different generations to kind of deal with in their own way right yeah 
Awesome. Do your friends and family understand and support your passion? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I would say maybe not everyone understands it. And I think sometimes not everyone looks at it as just a pastor, which it's not. Um, they see me as helping people, doing good and helping people, helping provide what people need. And so it's just, it's a good thing of what I'm doing. And so sometimes I just take that <laughs> because I know maybe they won't always understand it. But my family and my friends are super supportive of it. That's awesome. So is there anything that you can see about how you grew up that can connect to any of your passions now that you can see, wow, this is kind of a direct link, or this is something that I'm really glad that I got to experience, or I'm really glad that my parents were able to provide this experience for me as I was growing up? Yeah, I think one of the things is that my mom had always been very open to me about just the way she kind of grew up. She didn't really grow up with a lot. And so within that, my mom, and because of that, she would tell me the stories like she hated going to school after Christmas because she never had new clothes. And so mm-hmm. kids would make fun of her. And so at a very young age, my mom tried to instill in my brother and I, people are valued more than what they look like that we need to give people the chance and that people are worth something because their Lord had created them. And so I think early on that had installed in me to see people in that light and to want to help people. My mom always took me to the Salvation Army because it was our church, but my mom was always there like helping in whatever way that she could And I saw that and whether it was in the pantry or just helping in Bible study or helping clean up or whatever it was, like it was just there. That was just what my mom did. And so I came along with her. So that's what I was doing. So I think that installed in me at a very early age of just being around the church and Mm -hmm. helping people. And I think growing up in the Salvation Army, being the only church that I know, I got to see that every Christmas when we'd help people for assistance or when the homeless man would come into the street because he wanted food, so he would stumble into church or something. And so I got to be around those people. And I think my passion for youth and for being intentional comes out of I didn't always have that. And I think that's kind of like a two-way street of I wish I would have had that growing up. I wish someone would have walked alongside me in my faith journey. And part of it is, like, well, maybe no one taught them. Yeah, maybe they didn't know what to do because they weren't being taught. And so my thinking is I have the responsibility to help teach the next generation how to do it, because the reality is, is that will be the generation that will either disciple or not disciple my child. They will be the generation that will either be intentional with my daughter in her walk in the Lord or not be intentional because they will be her leaders. So I think it's kind of one of those things, too. I feel like if I can give back um, what maybe wasn't given to me, then maybe it will make a difference in the next generation and then the next, and even starting with one person. With what you're saying kind of reminds me of when people do things to pay it forward. Like when you're at Starbucks or something and the person ahead of you already pays for your drink before you come, um, that kind of reminds me of that. Yeah. That's awesome. 
what advice would you give to someone who is hearing your story and saying, huh, this sounds kind of interesting. I'm interested in the same kind of passion. Maybe they are interested in, so I guess it could be anti-human trafficking, social work, or what you said about being your main passion, being a pastor or mental health. Is there anything you can give and maybe just kind of let us know which one you're talking about before you do about what advice you would give to somebody who is hearing about this and it kind of perked their interest and they want to learn more. What would you say? Yeah, I would say with anti-human trafficking um, to just be informed. And I think that's, that's a passion is to just pursue that, to know what's going on in the world and being able to speak up about it. Because I think the more that we raise awareness about it, the more that people know. And people are only going to know that if you speak up and are passionate about it and show it, but also be informed about what's going on and, you know, making those, stating those facts, I think, and seeing what are ways that you can get involved to help with it, to help fight against that. And it can maybe even just be starting out small, like making hygiene kits for women. And, you know, if your listeners are in Chicago, there's a Stop It program. I'm sure, you know, they can help with that or just finding those ways that there's always someone that could use them. Even that's it's just dropping it off at the police station, they can give it to the people who need it. But I think starting small and figuring those things out. I'd say with like pastoring, I would say to really just seek the Lord. And if you feel that is what the Lord's calling you to, totally seek it. You know, and I, I think if people know that's a passion, I think it's one of those things that can be scary. But the Lord is always faithful to those that are obedient and he's always there. And so I'd say just pursue it. Do you have any advice that you would give to somebody who is maybe struggling with mental health and maybe they are interested in learning more about it, but they're learning about it themselves or realizing, hey, maybe this isn't totally normal? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say one thing is to maybe do some like research online about it, but also reach out to people. And if I would say really, if you're not feeling like I don't think I'm feeling myself, I really just don't know what this is or how to process this. I would say find a counselor. In all three of my appointments that I'm I have been in, that's one of the first things I've done is found a counselor just because there's a lot that I deal with and with a lot of transition. And so I need some help sometimes processing it all and how it affects me. And so, so I would say counseling is a huge thing that has helped me. And I know sometimes there's stigmatisms with that, but I would say like, if you needed medication for something, you would get it. And so sometimes the medication that we need is just to help someone is to have someone help us through understanding things in the form of a counselor who can you know, really help us and give us the right resources that we need, because maybe we don't know them. So I would say that's one of the things and just, I would say, bring awareness about it. And, you know, being willing to reach out to people and to share those stories of what's going on, because I think the more that we share our stories about it, the less that it becomes a stigmatism. But it's something that goes on and that we deal with. And, you know, and it's a part of people's stories. And, and it's a beautiful story. It doesn't have to overtake them, but it's a part of people. And so the more that we can just talk about that and find techniques that we can use to help deal with those things, I think it's great. 
That's great. I think that's really good to, uh, I think just speaking about it and looking to seek more information is probably never a bad idea. Yeah. I feel like, except for when you're Googling, you know, like you have some <laughs> right. symptoms, maybe like leave that to the doctor. Right. For um, sure. You, they can go down a rabbit hole. <laughs> yeah. So take yourself back a few years, several years to when you were in high school and but still being able to see where you are now what advice would you have given yourself in high school or what advice do you wish you had kind of gotten when you were in high school just kind of starting out on this journey of figuring out what you're passionate about figuring out what you were going to do do you have any advice that you wish somebody would have told you or that you could go back and tell yourself I probably would have told myself that to love who you are. I think 18-year-old Robin, who didn't know who she was and hated things about herself and was not content. And I wish that I could go back and I could tell her, like, just to love yourself for who you are and that, like, you're worth it. You are valuable. You are worth it. And that everything is going to work out. It's going to be okay. And the dreams that you thought that you wanted were not the best for you. (laughs) But that it's going to be okay. But really to love the Lord with all of your heart. To love others, which you do well. But to really just love yourself and who you are. That's so good. That's so good. That's a great reminder. Thank you, Robin. My next question is kind of along these lines, but a little different. Are there any resources that you had along the way for any of your passions that you were like, oh, wow, I'm really glad that I had this. So either a book or maybe a podcast or I don't know, another form of resource that you that you were really that you go to often or that you went to often for one of your passions. Yeah, I really love, I'd say just for like pastoraling, um, I really love the Handbook of Disciplines, of Spiritual Disciplines by Del Cajun. That really kind of just really helped me focus in my spiritual life and to really practice those. But that kind of helped me and helped guiding discipling when I was discipling and being intentional with young people and just people in general of using that. I would say for anti-human trafficking. I love the website A21 with Christine Kane. I lo- I listen to a lot of podcasts by Christine Kane as well, who's the founder of that and just those things. And I think just doing more research about that online, there's tons of resources out there. And I think just reading people's stories were something that was really helpful for me. Mm-hmm. And the Salvation Army has tons of resources within that of the Others program, which help women around the world help them financially that might have been affected by that. And that's it. Awesome. Thanks for sharing those. Yeah. Is there anything that you think I missed asking you mm-hmm. or anything that you want to share? Yeah. I just say like, I, I don't think I could have ever imagined this is how my life would be. And I think when you asked me to like do this podcast, I was super nervous because I was like, oh my gosh, my life is not interesting at all. And Stephen just talking about it, I'm amazed the way the Lord has just kind of molded everything together and given me these little pockets of being passionate about things and being able to use those 
for ministry. And I think that's one of the things that I love about the podcast, that we just get to hear people's stories. But even in society, sometimes it's hard because we're like, oh, well, they're passionate about so much great things more than what I am. We compare our passions or like we compare our stories. But the beautifulness is that it's our story and everyone is individual and unique. And that is what makes the world beautiful, I think. And we get to hear what people are doing in their lives and we get to encourage people in that. And I think that's something that kind of just wraps up my passion and all of it is just encouraging people that they're worthy and that they're valued and that they're loved and that there is someone out there who actually cares for them. And the way that I get to do that is through me, but through showing them the Lord. That's awesome. Thank you for sharing that. I love that. I love how you have a lot of passions, but they all kind of fit together for you and your life and your story. And they all came in at different times, but they all are still able to be kind of melded together in your story and in your life. Yeah. So usually when I interview people, they have one specific thing that they highlight and they, you know, have probably, they have other passions too, but it's just been kind of cool to see that these passions appear at different times of your life, but still be things that you are passionate about. Yeah, for sure. All right. I have one final question for you. And this is something that we ask all of the podcast guests. And that is what is fueling you today? What's fueling your passion? Plural. (laughs) So this could be anything from a new coffee drink to a new book. Maybe a new onesie for Anna Grace or a new favorite part of town. So what's fueling your passion today? Well, I would say what's fueling me today is thrift store shopping. I, I really love, love thrifting. I might buy all my most of my clothes at the thrift store. I love thrift shopping. And I was just talking about this with my husband Josh today. And I told him, I think I love thrifting so much because it takes something that someone says, like, I don't need this anymore. Mm-hmm. And for someone else, it's super valuable. Like, <laughs> if they were my size, so uh, recently this happened at the thrift store, there was a pair of cheetah and leopard Sperry's. Ooh. Right. Someone said, oh, I don't want them. But, like, I saw them, and I was like, I had to try them on. But they were way too big, so I like, couldn't get them. <laughs> but to me, they brought so much value and joy. And I think that's what I love. I think I love thrifting because I think it, it reminds me of my passion, something that looks broken, people that look broken, they're redeemable. But I think something that fuels my passion is Anna Grace is my daughter, because I want her to grow up in a world where she knows her value and she knows her worth. And I think it's the idea of investing in people and letting them know that while I will do my best to show Jesus every day in my home. I know that there's times where I'm going to fail, but I want other people. I want her to know that there are other people out there who love her and who are intentional with her. And I want her to know that it's okay if she struggles. I think with technology and everything, we see where mental health with teens and kids are up. And so I know it's a reality that she's going to deal with it. And I want her to know that it's not, it's not a stigmatism. It's not a bad thing. But it's something that we can work through. And I want her to know that it's never okay for people to look at your body or to look at your labor and think that and just see dollar signs 
or to say you're not worth it. And that she has a privilege because of the way that she's born to be a voice for those people. And that she can use her privilege for good or she can use her privilege for negative. And so it's her choice of what she's going to do with that. And so by hoping to speaking out now about those things and showing her those things that I'm passionate about, that she will grow up being able to be passionate about the things she's passionate about and what the Lord's leading her to. And by being a pastor, to just show her that, you know, I do this because I love Jesus and I'm following Jesus. And whatever that looks like for your life is what, you know, you get to do. And so I hope by being passionate about things that that she will also do that and be a part of it. And and I and I look at her every day and I and I just pray those things on her. But I would say like she is what she's feel she's what fuels me. Um, on the hard days, on the days where, you know, it gets really tough and ministry can be tough, that on the days where teenagers are rough and I'm like, are they even getting it? Do you understand it? I look at her and I think, who's going to lead you? And what am I doing to help them lead you and to be the best that they can be so they can teach you to be the best that you can be? And so I think that is what keeps me going in that. Yeah. That's so good. I feel like all of your answers and stuff, they kind of are just very cyclical, which is such a fun thing because you can see that this is really in so many different facets and parts of your life, kind of building on each other and then building on another passion and all just connected like that. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you, Robin, so much for your time. And Um, I know you're a busy mom, so I don't know if you're going to be sleeping or whatever you're going to normally be doing at this time. Thank you so much for letting us chat with you. Yeah, thanks for having me. Friends, I have loved our conversation with Robin. It has been great to see how Robin began growing and developing into her passion of being a pastor and truly caring about others and for others before she even knew that this is what God had planned for her. And this was through her previous experience of um, her developing in her college major of social work. I hope that you are all encouraged today about how Robin grew into her pastoral passion. My prayer is that you consider what God has for you and what he might be leading you to. Hey friends, I wanted to thank you very much, so much, for giving the No Wrong Turns pod a listen today. Can you consider helping me out and leaving a rating or review on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or YouTube, whatever platform you're listening to this on? This really helps us out for the podcast to be able to be seen when other people are searching on the app. Thanks in advance. Once again, our episode was edited by our podcast editor, Sophia Bote, social media managed by Olivia Bote. And you can see the show notes uh, for resources mentioned during the show and uh, for our music credits.